Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with Scott Eklund. We are uh, at UW, and we just got done talking. Yep, in the old team room. We just got done talking to Kaylin DeBoer uh, Sunday afternoon, early afternoon, I think, or still Sunday morning, I guess. Sunday morning. Late morning. Late morning. And uh, (laughs) it's been a different different morning for you. I know trying to get here was not easy. Oh, my gosh. But uh, now now that we're here, we get to talk about this. We're we're rolling out an emergency podcast. We could have done something yesterday. Um, but it really wouldn't have made a ton of sense, even though we knew at the time Washington was guaranteed as much as anyone was guaranteed a spot in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Top two. I mean, it was for certain. Yeah. Then this morning it was all about a matter of which spot would Washington get. Yep. There was, a, there was a, a strong argument made by some people on social networks that Washington should have been number one. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, as far as that goes, one or two, did you really have any preference one way or the other? I, the only reason I wanted one was so that they got the choice of where they got to play. Um, and, and let's I, be clear, though. The, the, the number one pick doesn't get to choose, but they get preference. Yeah, they get preference. So I just – I mean, I think it's ridiculous that the, num, that the West Coast team that's in the playoffs has to go basically back east for a home game for Texas. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, I think that's ridiculous. It should be out on the West Coast – Washington should be the team in the Rose Bowl playing Texas. Uh, Michigan and, and Alabama can go play at the Sugar Bowl. But that's not how it works out. So Washington's just going to – is this their first time in the Sugar Bowl? I don't remember yes, them ever playing. I think it. they okay. were saying it's not only the first time that Washington's been in the Sugar Bowl. I think that's the first time a Pac-12, Pac-12. team oh. has been to the Sugar Bowl. Okay. So just to make sure for, for some people that may be listening to yeah. hearing this for the first time, the information, Washington as the number two seed is playing number three seed Texas – in the Sugar Bowl rematch of last year's Alamo Bowl, they'll be in, in New Orleans mm-hmm. in the Alamo, or was it the Benz Mercedes Benz, whatever Superdome? Or no, whatever that's that's in uh, that's in Atlanta. Well, I think Atlanta and New Orleans oh. are both sponsored by Mercedes oh, Benz. I okay. think, right. but anyways, it doesn't matter. But that'll be on uh, New Year's Day, mm-hmm. and I believe it's a five forty-five Pacific time kick. Oh my gosh! And it's oh, either yeah, on it is, ES, yeah. it's either on ESPN, ABC. It's on one of their families. Yeah. ESPN owns it uh-huh. all, so. Um, just initial thoughts on the matchup because Kalen DeBoer was asked about it and he said it might help us a little bit that we have some familiarity and we might have mm-hmm. a little bit over them because we won the game last time and there may be a measure of revenge on Texas's part or what have you. But what was your initial thought when you heard the matchup? Um, I mean, Texas looks good. I mean, but so did Oregon. So, you know, I mean, heading into this game, Oregon has looked really good. Washington ends up winning and they were the more physical team. Heading into this this coming bowl game, Texas looks like they're on a roll right now. They look like they peaked really good at the late late part of the season. And if not for a fluky, I don't want to say fluky, but a last-second drive by Oklahoma in the Red River Classic, they're an undefeated team and probably ranked ahead of Washington, even though they shouldn't have been. So, 
you know, I, I think Washington and Texas were fated to, to be playing in this game. It sure seemed to look like it as things were breaking down. I really thought Florida State was going to make it in, and that's a whole other conversation. But Yeah, we could get but, sidetracked on that yeah, big time, but, but we're, we're going to try to keep I it. Re- I really thought – I made my prediction on the board that I thought it would be Michigan 1, Washington 2, Florida State 3, and Texas 4 um, is how I thought it was going to play out. But obviously the win over Georgia vaulted them – uh, Alabama up into the into the thing, but you know I I just you know getting back to Washington and, and Texas I I I think Texas is playing really well. They're gonna you know Sark would love to go and beat his former team um, and really prove people prove to people that they're a good that he's got the kind of chops as a head coach to go on and win a possible title because honestly I'm looking at all three teams. Michigan's very good. Washington's very good. Texas, Alabama, they're all very good, very talented teams all the way around. I don't think there's one team that you can demonstrably say is better than anyone else in the group of four. And really, that's what the college football committee wants. They want competitive semifinals. They want a competitive finals. And that's yeah, hopefully that's what they get. Well, and, and their hypocrisy only goes so far. Mm-hmm. Because if they were going to include the SEC champion, a one-loss SEC mm-hmm. champion in Alabama, they had to put Texas in front of them, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. Texas beat Alabama. So the results at some point do matter. It's just a matter of did they matter more than mm-hmm. excluding a conference yeah, champion, I, Power I, 5 especially conference, all un, the, unbeaten. Especially all the stuff that Florida State had to fight through. with the t- it, Top two quarterbacks are out. Yeah, they, they beat a ranked team in Louisville who – had beaten Notre Dame pretty soundly earlier in the season who had, who had played really well. And, um, you know, I, I just, you got to feel, I mean, and that's what Kalen DeBoer was talking about early, you know, earlier he goes, you got to feel for them because of all the stuff they've been through and to get nixed out of it, you know, it stinks, but that's just the world we live in right now. And, you know, if this is a 12 team playoff, they're in and they are in, but they would miss a bye week Yeah. So, which is, you know, in some ways, that could be just as important when you're trying to yep. get right. Now, granted, teams are going to have weeks to get healthy mm-hmm. and prepare and all that stuff. Washington's in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's probably some Washington fans that are kind of wondering, you know, everybody had watch parties. Michigan had the watch. Even Florida State had a watch party. And to see their reactions oh, was pretty heartbreaking. But, Awful. But, you know, everyone's like, why didn't Washington have a watch party? Well, Washington is having their banquet this afternoon. Mm-hmm. And so tons of families have flown in, come come to see their, their kids. And so they wanted to the team, the, the coaches and staff wanted to make sure that those that time was maximized between the the players and their families. Yeah. And, and why make them come in for an hour? Right. Well, that's the point. And then have them come back. Yeah, that was tonight. the point. And so that's the reason why they didn't have a watch party. Um, you know, it's, it, it is interesting, again, you know, the number two seed, you would think they'd get a little bit better preference. But again, the only choices are Rose Bowl or Sugar Bowl in mm-hmm. New Orleans. Um, you know, Washington has played in Louisiana before. I think the last time was when, ironically enough, Sark was the head coach and they yep. lost pretty big at LSU. Um, this is going to be really, really interesting because, you know, Ewers is back mm-hmm. for Texas. Keelan Robinson. Yeah. And now Worthy, I think think did i see was he, he got crutches? injured he was, got injured yeah. yeah a lot of people think he, he has a high ankle sprain so that's something that can linger and especially for a speed guy yeah that could really hurt them yeah and so it's it'll in, in, in the trenches like tavondre sweat got a big big guy touchdown mm-hmm. against oklahoma state in the yeah. in the big 12 championship you know those guys are beasts 
uh, Byron Murphy inside. He's a beast. So they, they've got, obviously, in the trenches is going to be an absolute war. Yep. Um, but Kalen DeBoer did talk about that, and he talked about the, the, the Oregon game and the fact that they were able to show just how physical they could play, and it really started with Dylan Johnson, and he had nothing but huge praise uh, on the running back transfer from Mississippi State, really gutting it out and, mm-hmm. and not being 100%, but still showing his class and, and what he was capable yeah, of Yeah, you watch him walking around between plays, and, and he was – he could you could tell he was not feeling good on that leg i think it looked like the right leg but i couldn't 100 percent tell i think that's the one that's heavily taped but um you know and, and then uh i remember there was a timeout and the trainers were trying to talk to him and he was like get away from me i'm i'm dealing with this yeah you know and you're not taking me out of this game yep and um it proved to be beneficial for washington what's really going to be beneficial though they are going to have practices they're going to basically take the next week and a half off basically they're really they're going to let the players go through uh finals and get all that stuff taken care of and that's when then they're going to start hitting it like they normally would hit it uh for game week prep they talked about december 27th would like 26 or 27th would be the the days that they're they're still trying to figure out logistics but it looks like the 26 27th are going to be the days that they go down to new Orleans and so he'll have at least a week and a half where he can do all the treatments that he needs to do he can rest his leg other than some running and some lifting they're not going to do any practicing and and you know Nick Saban said they that his guys will do some seven on seven work on their own um, my guess is Washington will probably do that a little bit too Michael Penix will probably get get that together but for the most part these guys are going to get some time just to rest they've just had a very long 14 week season with including the bye mm-hmm. Their, their bodies are beat up. They need the time to rest and, and heal up. And that's what the thing is, aside from possibly Xavier Worthy, who we don't know about, these teams are going to come in about as healthy as you're going to be able to see. No one's leaving early for the NFL. And if they are, they're, they're, they're going to play in this game. These yes. are the games guys play in, regardless of whether they want to go to the NFL or not. But, um, you know, last year they were missing – uh, Bijan Robinson, they were missing their top linebacker yeah. last year. So Washington's co- going to be fa- – if Washington wins this, win- either wins this game and or wins the next game, they are going to have earned it. There is not one person who can say that Washington had an easy road because, honestly, if you look at what everybody else did, Washington had that toughest road to get to the to the college football playoffs. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's really an arguable point considering mm-hmm. they had to beat – the same team twice, top mm-hmm. ten team, mm-hmm. once at home, once at a six ne- team. once yeah. at a neutral site. Yeah, but and then um, you know they were the only team to be asked to do that. Yep. And now they're having to to go on the road essentially, and just like they did against Texas last year, and won basically a home game mm-hmm. for Texas. And now it's probably going to be a really really close to almost a home game for Texas in Again. the Sugar Bowl. Yep. Not only because it's closer to Texas, but also because it's very very difficult in general to travel from Seattle to New Orleans. Yeah. I mean I've I've done it before. I did it for the game in 2011, and it's uh, it's not an easy trip. Yeah, it's not, um, and it's foreign land for Washington. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, but it's it's foreign land for Husky fans. You know, they don't go down to New Orleans unless you've made the trip down to party for yeah. – I mean, you're not going down there yeah. for – Unless you're a yearly yeah, Mardi, Mardi Gras yeah, visitor or something. I, yeah, I mean, very few West Coast people are going to New Orleans for anything other than partying for, for Mardi Gras or something like this. So um, – you know, or they got family down there, but um, yeah, I, I just it's going to be real interesting. And um, the funny thing is, 
we and I have to talk to you and Kim about this. We we actually have a trip to uh, we have friends that live in Mississippi, just across the border from Louisiana, and we were going to go to New Orleans for a day, and that was going to be in February. So there you go. After so it's kind of funny that I'm going to be down there a, a month and a half after you guys are down or Kim's down there at least. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So going back to some of the things that DeBoer also talked about, he was asked about, you know, uh, Michael Penix's Heisman campaign. I asked yeah. him a question about Roma Dunze and the Blitnikoff Award. And and bottom line is, you know, he, he, he just talked about not just what great guys they are and the stats and everything that they have that are easy mm-hmm. to identify, but also some of those intangibles. But, you know, like with Rome, he talked about it got to the point where he was making so many big plays, I, you kind of lose track of yep. just how critical he was, especially in those moments where, you know, guys like Jalen McMillan weren't necessarily available or mm-hmm. Giles Jackson, Jeremy yep. Bernard hasn't necessarily been 100% all the time. And so they, so Mike really had to rely on Rome quite a bit in, you know, kind of that game 8 to 11 stretch yep. where, and, and he showed up time and time again. Well, I wrote up in the, in the, I kind of just reviewed how the season went for Washington this year in the write up for the, that we put on the front page and I didn't know, I knew he was getting close. I didn't know he was within 24 yards of Reggie Williams's, uh, 2002. Yeah. And, but if you think about it in 2002, Reggie Williams only played what? 10 games, 11 games, something like they didn't that. Go yeah. Bowling. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, or did they go bowling that year? I can't remember. Anyway, whatever it was, you know, Reggie Williams did it in less games. There's going to be fewer games, but for that sure. that isn't Romo Dunze's fault. You right. know, he's just playing the games. But anyway, he's 24 yards away from that, and he's 13 receptions away from Reggie Williams' record of 94 receptions in a game or in a season. So, um, I think we're looking at if Washington plays two games, he could easily surpass. He should easily surpass the yardage, yardage. number, yeah. but the the reception number. It, when was the last time a guy caught 13 passes in a game? I mean, it just doesn't happen very often. So, right. um, you know, but if they play two games, he's got a very good chance to be the all-time season receptions and uh, and um, uh, yardage leader. So, and, so he's incredible. Yeah, and, and talking about Michael Penix Jr., um, you know, it's, it's going to be a classic. Again, like with the committee, is it resume, eye test, Mm-hmm. most deserving versus best. Mm-hmm. Now with the Heisman, it's going to be, is it numbers? Is it eye go- you know, gaudy stats, eye-popping stats that Jaden Daniels has put out? Or do you look at being making the biggest plays in the most important moments 
for a team that is unbeaten that is now in the college football yeah. playoff. Michael Penix has a great argument to be the Heisman Trophy winner. I just think with the stage that he played on, Jaden Daniels, even though Washington was ranked higher than LSU all year, Jaden Daniels plays in the SEC, and people just automatically have more respect for the SEC. And today we've seen the power of the yeah. SEC yeah, and what because, it does. Yeah, really, it did. But um, I just – I watched Jalen uh, Jalen Daniels play, and oh boy, he he's a special player. Yeah, he, well, Jaden Daniels when he was at Arizona State was was a playmaker, yeah. but he, he would, not like this. He would, you know, I think the the best way I heard it put was that he would play make to make first downs. Mm-hmm. Now at LSU, he's playmaking, and when he's scrambling, he's going the distance. Yeah, it's a he's a, just a different kind yeah. of guy. He just looks so special athletically. I if. If I was voting and I had to vote it, I would probably vote Jalen or Jaden Daniels. Um, but um, I think you know there's an outside shot that Penix could be the the, the Heisman Trophy winner. It'd be great to see for for Washington to to get their first Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, all the stuff that he's been through, not just this year, but throughout his whole career with injuries and no, basically everybody kind of forgot about him. And then when he transferred to the University of Washington, it was barely a blip on the national scene. And then he comes in here and he puts up gaudy numbers uh, last year for a team that finished. I can't remember. They finished top 10 last year. Washington? Washington. Yeah, I think eighth. Eighth, yeah. And, um, you know, this year they're in the contention for the national title. So usually the best player on one of the top two or three teams in the country wins the title. And if that's the – or wins the Heisman. And if that's the case, then it's Michael Penix. But, yeah, and, and and the reason why yeah. I would vote for Michael Penix over Jaden Daniels is I would say that it ha- it hasn't always been about a production <clears throat> award because if it was half of Texas Tech's mm-hmm. quarterbacks like Mahomes yeah. or those guys they would all win the Heisman. Yeah. Um. So to me, it's been about a production plus mm-hmm. having those special moments like the touchdown pass to Adunze against mm-hmm. Oregon here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the play uh, with Tarome at Oregon State to salt that game yeah. away. Or, a couple yeah. of the a couple of the plays uh, against Oregon in the Pac-12 title the, game. The decision to not hand it to Dylan Dylan Johnson on that 4th and 1 play and and hand it off, well, yeah. drop it to uh, And as we found out later, that was say. that was an option. It was he, an option for He him. had to read that play and he made the right read. I think, to be honest with you, he is the one that that really has the complete package now. Mm -hmm. He has the production. He has the leadership traits. He has the unbeaten record. He has the playoff appearance now Mm -hmm. in a couple weeks. To me, it it far outweighs someone who literally can just tip the scales with production, even though those production numbers are off the charts. I just... The way Heisman... There's a lot of people that said that... I, I saw it online somewhere. I can't remember where it was, that most of the Heisman voters have already voted. And if that's the case, Could then, then we'll it's never, probably... I guess we'll never know. Then it's really. probably Dan, Jane Daniels, though, yeah. if yeah. that's the case. Yeah. And again, we'll find out pretty quickly, too, if it's a maybe an SEC-heavy award or not, because mm-hmm. a lot of SEC guys have won it. Yeah. Not a lot of Pac-12 guys lately have won What it. they need to start doing is saving this until January. Yeah. Like, when does the NFL put out their NFL MVP? See, I have to go back now and look at Caleb Williams last year and see just how close it was with, mm-hmm. with some of the other guys that were right there. Because it, you know, again, but Caleb Williams was a guy that started out where Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that had a full range national appeal. Yep. Like Kalen DeBoer said today, it, it, the second half of this season, I think the national college football fans have gotten to know Michael Penix Jr. Mm-hmm. 
But that first half where he really put up the numbers and the eye-popping plays, like the, the deep shots and all that stuff, like the Michigan State game and the, and the Cal game, and they, they didn't get a chance to see those games, nope. really. You well, know, they did Michigan, have the chance. They just didn't do Michigan it. State was on Peacock. Yeah. I don't think yeah. many people nationally got a chance to see that game. But hopefully the games that they saw in the second half, the two Oregon games, the Oregon State game, the USC game, those types of things, mm-hmm. hopefully that will show the national audience that not only can he put up those numbers, but he also had those key moments, the pass to Devin Colt against mm-hmm. USC. I mean, to me, those are the moments that make a Heisman Trophy yeah. winner. The pass to Devin Culp against Arizona that yes. basically, I mean. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, there, it's just one thing after another. We could People like us who watch every game and follow him you know, through practice and all that different stuff can cite all the stuff that he did to earn the Heisman. The problem is we're not voting. Yeah. It's the people who live in Dallas. People who live in Dallas, do you think they watch that many Husky games? I don't know. What about someone over in uh, Boston doing the voting? Is he watching a lot of Husky games? Especially, granted, Washington didn't play a lot of night games this year, but when they did play, he didn't watch those. That person didn't watch those games. Right. So, you know, I, I just, I, I'm looking at who, I'm, I'm trying to separate does he deserve it as to where, what the reality is of who's voting on this. Well, and again, another, is it eye test or resume? Yeah. It's the, a lot of these things, yeah. obviously, when they when there's a lot of subjective criteria involved, that's what mm-hmm. you end up with. Yep. So we're going to wrap it up here. I did want to give you any final thoughts on what Kalen DeBoer said today that, that stood out in your mind? No. I mean, he he's just, he's Kalen DeBoer. I mean, he doesn't, it, <laughs> I, what I mean is, I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean, he, he's just well, no, a happy, since I've dealt with him all oh, year, yeah. I know exactly what you mean, but yeah. I don't necessarily think that but Washington fans may know he's that. Just, he's just a – I think he's just like – I can't believe – I mean, he, I think Kalen DeBoer knew this team was going to be really good this year. But there's times when I think he's just like, this is fun. I'm the coach of the number two team in the country right now. Yeah. And we're having fun. We're a family. We've – you know, think of all the work that we did to get to this point. This is fun. This is why we do this. And I, you know, he's, he's just like, whoever they're going to put in front of us, we're going to have to win it and play. So what, I'm not going to get worked up that we're playing Texas in the Sugar Bowl instead of playing Texas in the Rose Bowl. You know, I, I'm not going to, he's just, he's like, tell us where we're playing, tell us who we're playing, and we'll go play them. Final question, though. I do have a question for you. Do you think, Despite all the, the maybe the misgivings on on what the CFP committee used for their for their um, criteria to determine the top four, do you think they ultimately gave Washington a break by not having to play Alabama? Um, I don't know. I mean, if you watch, you know, I, I talked to some other guys who because who apparently this is a big criteria. Like in the committee room, when they talk to coach coaches and former college players. One of their questions they ask him is, who would you not want to play? Yeah. Which is kind of crazy to me, but if that's how they're going to use it, I, I pose that question to you. Who would you not want to play between Texas and Alabama? Well, it was, it was definitely uh, Texas for me. I, I think Milrow it presents you some challenges because he runs around a lot. And Caleb, uh, you, yours, um, yep. uh, what's, it, what's his first name? Yours. Anyway, whatever his name <laughs> <laughs> um, he uh, he doesn't run as much. He can move around. He just doesn't yeah. run. He's more like Michael Penix in that in that sense. Yeah. But um, Sark is a great schemer offensively. He's gonna get them done. Pete Quiet Kwiatkowski, 
you know, I mean, he's a great defensive mind. So he's going to do everything he can to defend. And they've got athletes. Now, I think Washington, I don't know of any team, as, if Washington's 100% healthy in the wide receiver room, I don't know if there's anybody who can really D up Washington's uh, wide receiver core. I mean, freaking Jeremy Bernard would be a starter for most of the teams in this country, and he's the fourth guy at best on the University of Washington's wide receiver core. So um, that being said, um, probably wouldn't have wanted to play Texas just because they're big along the offensive line. They've got, they've got talent. They've got athletes and speed and all that stuff, and Sark is a really good game planner. But honestly, you, I, either one would have been tough. Um, I don't like having to defend Milrose's running ability. I think if you have a guy, he's not a statue. Yours is not Quinn yours. Jeez. He's not a statue, but he's a guy who just isn't going to run that much. He's, he'd rather sit back there and throw the ball yeah. than, than, than run it. And Washington, I think that's really going to benefit Braylon Trice, Zion Tupuola Fatui, Voight Tanufi. I think Washington is, is going to play their, their big package with uh, Tuli and with uh, MJ, Ale, those guys, I think they're going to play a lot. By the way, did Ale play that much yeah. last night? Okay, I just didn't remember seeing Friday him that night. much on Friday night. Yeah, but um, I, I think you're going to see Boyd Tanufi in there a lot. I think Sakaya Asawa will be in there a lot. I think you're going to see a lot more of ZTF and Braylon Trice on the edges and then Tanufi and Sakai in the middle. Um, and I think that they're going to run a lot of games. Like yeah. what they did against Oregon. And I think offensively for Washington, it's it's going to be a question of how stout can they be up front yep. to limit Texas's defensive line. Because watch Texas's defensive line, that's the strength yep. of their defense. A lot of people have talked about it. And they are already. big. A lot of people talked last night that if there was a potential matchup mm-hmm. between Washington and Texas, Texas may not be thrilled that they're going up against the pass attack of Washington because Washington has the one kind of, kind of skill position on offense of those four teams. Mm-hmm. That's truly elite. Mm. Like like Michigan's run game is really good. You mm. don't really want to mess with the rush. But, but they that's lost kind of their the, best lineman. Right. But the prob, but but the thing is is that there's there's no other kind of skill position in terms of run or pass or what have you that's truly elite outside of Washington's pass game. Washington's pass game has shown itself to be mm-hmm. truly elite. Yep. And so I think that will certainly be probably the biggest thing to watch going forward. But but down the road, we'll be talking a lot more about it. And we'll find out also about you know guys coming back healthy. Carson Bruner, I know people are concerned about. But you give him a few weeks, mm-hmm. he won't have a problem. I don't think so. You know, we talked about Xavier Worthy. What 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 is going to be his status for the game? That's certainly going to be a huge... Uh, question going in and things like that. So, but we'll wrap it up here for final thoughts. Just yeah, I don't real quick. I don't you know, think Washington fans should count on Xavier Worthy dropping three touchdown balls like he did against the Huskies last year. Yes, that was crazy. Yeah, that was crazy considering Worthy dropped at least three passes that game. Romo Dunze hasn't. I think he's dropped three passes all year, mm-hmm. which is just. Nuts. I don't even remember him dropping a pass per se, but oh no, I do against. I remember there was one, but there wasn't <laughs> exactly. that many. There wasn't very many. Right. So, all right, we'll wrap it up here then. So, for Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of dogman.com. Go, dogs. <laughs>